gym. My wife's die, the children's leader in there, um, which has made me kind of a pseudo children's leader. You get pulled in. In fact, maybe some of you may not even know that, but I technically get um, a bit of a paycheck too, because years and years ago when Brent and Tana hired Die, they had a real understanding. They're like, um, we know how much it pulls the spouse in, so we, and it's true, but what do you, I mean, that's just part of the, you know, um, I, it's actually been much more of a, if you would have asked me when I started and got out of college and I was hard charging and maybe, um, and I still want to conquer the world for Jesus, but probably had more of my own ways and my own plans and saw my own path of how I was going to set the world on fire for Jesus, it would have had nothing to do with children's ministry, I can tell you that. However, I can tell you that I can, uh, you know, come full circle on that to say I can see the enormous blessing, the enormous growth um, in so many areas of my life because I've, I've served in kids' ministry for all these years next to my wife and, and God's faithfulness throughout the years. So anyway, that's a little bit of, of, of this. They asked me to speak, and um, Sean's out of town. For those of you that already know, they're on that missions trip down there in Denver. Lord, be with them. Just bless them, cover them, watch over them. Let your supernatural spirit fill them, fill that place, fill that house. Cover them, Lord. Cover them with your grace and let them just be dependent upon you. You're so faithful. And Lord, even take this word, this message, just cover us. Cover us. In fact, on Wednesday mornings, I just, when we get together, I just say, Lord, this time is yours. We dedicate it to you. Help us gain something that will make us understand you better and draw closer to you and, and, and challenge us in our, in our walk for the purpose of becoming more Christ-like. In Jesus' name, amen. That's really the purpose. That's um, outside of that. It's it it it's not worth the time or the effort to even to even get up here. So as I was thinking about it, and I think it actually came out of one of these Wednesday morning groups, which there's a few of us. Basement pure being great coffee. If you want to come and join us and be challenged by um, Oswald Chambers, you're more than welcome. Great group. John's one of my staples right there. Nick and a few of the guys. Um, it was actually in there where I thought, felt the Lord um, put this scripture on my heart. And I realized, I, I'm sure people have. I don't know. And I don't, you're, you're going to get very practical, down to earth, very real. Not the Nick Reed deep uh, historical theology today. So if you want to dig that up, you're probably going to have to go get that on your own. However, I, don't, I haven't heard a lot of messages on this, this, uh, this sermon here. Our verse is, is Luke 18 ish 15 to 17 i'm going to read that here in just a minute but right before this if i read my bible right here was the uh right before jesus encountering the kids i think he dealt with the rich young ruler um who walked away and so that's and i don't know if this was directly connected but that kind of stirred the pot a little bit um and uh so if you kind of think of that, that, that context right there or, or what's going on and then, then some kids, you know, and think about this, I guess, before I even read that. Um, and, and, and even this church, you know, if, if the kids all of a sudden felt like 
for some reason, they needed to be ministered to or they needed to something from whoever was up here speaking, right? Because this is kind of the context, I think. And they all of a sudden decide they're going to charge up to the stage. Like, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do as a church body? We would probably roll with it. It may be a little weird, but I bet most churches in, in our thing would be like, absolutely not, shut that down. Where's security? Get those kids out of here. This is, this, this is the man of God giving the word of God, and we don't interrupt that. And I think that's probably kind of what Jesus' disciples were, were thinking right here. They thought they were doing the right thing, and these kids wanted to come and say hi to Jesus, which was, first of all, remarkable, and that will be part of it. One of the most challenging things, I think, for me, and, and that, that ways you may be challenged today, I'll just cut to the chase, is chew on this as we get going. And you will need a pen, because I'm going to have a little bit of participation. I want You're going to have to write a little list, or you can just hold it in your head, I guess. I don't care, but I will need a little participation. But think about this, and maybe we can just go home after this comment. Would kids, would kids want to hang around you? Would children want to come and be around you? Whew, that can be a little challenging right there. Okay. So... Let me jump here to where I was, if I can find my spot. I think we'll start at a rate about 18. Well, no. That was the rich young ruler. Um, and the, he talked about doing all those things. Um, he saw how sad he was. Okay. So Jesus... Um, Well, maybe I don't have my right verse here. Oh, I'm before that. I'm sorry. I was at 18. Okay, so that, that was right after. Some people brought their little children to Jesus to bless them. But when the disciples saw them doing this, they told the people to stop bothering him. Hmm. So Jesus called the children over to him. I mean, if, you just, if we really just picture that situation right there, um, the disciples truly thought they were doing the right thing. They thought Jesus was doing serious ministry. Uh, people are getting healed. Uh, he's got very important things. You are not going to be bothered by these kids. And he, Jesus turned their whole world upside down. Jesus called the children over and said, let them come to me. That in and of itself rocked their world. But now he turned their whole theology upside down, I think. And he really, um, and I haven't heard, I'm sure there's a lot of teaching, but I haven't heard a lot of teaching on this because I think it makes us uncomfortable. Do not stop them. People who are like these children belong to God's kingdom. Could you imagine what these disciples were thinking at this point and everybody that heard this that under, thought they had some understanding or start they were starting to kind of grasp this the people that they that that they tried to stop from coming to Jesus because they didn't think were worthy of his time basically or in, uh, they weren't important enough to interrupt what he was doing Jesus turns around and says these are the ones that are worthy of the kingdom um, and then he really takes it to another step and this is the CEV which some of you may not like, but you will never get into God's kingdom unless you enter like a child. Like, that's too far. At this point, they, they got to be thinking, like, come on, Jesus, like, you've crossed the line here. Like, is something, is everything okay with you? And then it goes on to the rich young man. So I was backwards on that. I'm sorry. They were just reeling from, from that being shocked. And then this rich young man approaches Jesus. But this idea of, and that led me to, childlike living? Do we live like a child? Which naturally then we have to explore 
uh, what are childlike characteristics? And that's where I need a little help. I've made a list. It's kind of funny because I asked my wife. I told this story to some of you already. I said, Di, I need to come up with some... She's our children's... I said, what are some great childlike characteristics? And you know what she said? Google it. Google it? You've been working with kids for 20 years. I think you know better than Google. But maybe I caught her at a bad moment. I don't know. So... If, if, if this was obviously important enough for Jesus to make these comments, I think it's worth exploring some of these characteristics that, that kids have and see if we have them, if they're a part of our life, if we even ever have thought about them or explored them. It, the list could be quite exhausting, so we're going to take just a couple minutes because I want some feedback. I don't want it to just be mine. Come up with three, four, five of your top characteristics, what you think of when you think of a child. Now this is a, we want to think of a child in a happy, loving family that's, that's being well raised. We're going to avoid the unfortunate situations that, that we all know of about where kids are in a bad spot. But a child raised by two loving parents that, that's, in a, that's in a good, healthy environment, what are some characteristics of that, of that child? Let's just take a minute or two and let people explore, and then I'll let you yell them out. Let's give people a minute or two. This is what you have some lines on there for, too, if you want to write them down. You might not want to, though. You might not want to make a list that you'd have to read later and have some checks and balances. All right, this is Kids Church. If you have one, raise your hand, please. Trust. Trust. Absolutely. Children are trusting. They want to be with their parents. Hold on to that one. That one is huge back there at the booth. Innocence. Wow. I didn't even have that one. That is a great one. That's going to make the list. Because that's who we are when we're saved by grace and we don't count on that. We don't stand on that. Go ahead. Curious. Curious. I had, that is a great one too. And we lose that. Why do we lose that? Full of wonder. Full of wonder. Yes. Full of wonder. Back here. Energy. Energy. Happy. I have that one. We've lost our ability to be happy. Go ahead. I have that one. Very good. Believing. Yes, believing, trusting. Um, they love to be loved. Any other ones? You guys would be great at kids' church. You should come on back sometime. Kind. Way in the back. Yes. Playful? Yes. Observing. Adventurous. All right. You guys are the best. Confidence? Huh. Yeah? John? Hungry. In many ways. Hungry in several ways. You could come to my house and see. We'll get a couple more. You guys are great. I'm serious. 
You guys would be amazing in kids' church. Nothing worse than kids' church than when nobody will be. The priest like, imaginative, joy. We talked about the joy. Those are exactly right. And those are pretty much the characteristics that I've got, and I'm going to discuss those a little bit. Um, I forgot at the end I'm going to need the kids out here. Um, if you could run back and get them when I cue you, please. And I sh- it should know. So that's what I have. Um, I'm just going to run down my list quickly here um, and kind of why I put them on there. What was that, that one I already forgot it that she said? Innocent? Oh, that's powerful. And that's, let's discuss that one a little bit. We, kids have that, that ability, you know, they, they, they don't know any different. They're just, they're just, and if we could just get over our, out of our own heads and our own unworthiness and grasp that blood of, of Jesus and who, the position that it puts us in on our best days and our worst days and every day in between, we would make such a giant step. We would make such a huge step at everything God has for us, everything God wants us to do, and the difference that we could make in this world. And, and, that, and that's something so many kids can do. And, you know, maybe a little background. What kind of also probably speared this is we just got done with kids camp. And I'm telling you, um, if you want to get pushed um, on so many different areas of, of your life and challenged, come be a leader at kids camp. I'm telling you, it is worth the time off that you take to sow into the life of these young ones. But not only that, I'm going to take it to the next. Not only, you will also see where you probably have a few deficiencies in your own life. Because kids can be really annoying. Oh, yeah. But they can be really amazing because of their innocence. It's a double-edged sword. And I'm not going to say that they can. I, I might have had the most annoying boy at camp, and I won't tell you his name, in my cabin. This was the kid that when he left to go to the shower, my other kids were like, it's quiet. <laughs> like, can he just sleep somewhere else? I'm like, nope. <laughs> but, okay. Here's a characteristic that I got. They're genuine. They're genuine. What you see with kids is what you get. And, and these are the qualities that I think Jesus wants us to have when he makes this comment. We, got, we need to be much more childlike. We're too good at doing facades, folks. We're too good at putting on what we think people want to see, what we think people want to hear. Um, we're too good at, 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 at trying to hold up to some standard that's not going to get us where we think it's going to get us anyway. One of the best qualities we can have as a believer is to be genuine and real and have that assurance that Jesus loves us exactly where you are. He knows exactly where you are in life, and it is okay. You do not have to wear a mask and try to convince me or anybody else that you are somebody different. And that goes all the way from whatever you struggle with in your life to your highest moment. It's, it's, there's a genuineness to kids that what you see is what you get, and it's a beautiful thing. And that's the same type of genuineness. Spend some time around kids if you don't have any in your world. That God, that's how he wants us to be. That's that realness that allows us. And truthfully, let's just cut to the chase. You cannot get close to somebody that you don't think is genuine. If you, I mean, you can hang out with them maybe a little bit, but you will really not get close and become friends or want to spend real significant 
time with somebody that you don't think is real and open and honest and genuine. You just don't. And Jesus must have been that because the kids wanted to come to him. They're dependent. We covered that. They're dependent. Their needs, and especially, you know, I was holding my grandbaby while I was worshiping here. That's baby Abishai. What a blessing, blessing he is. Maybe a great wrestler, but his parents aren't as convinced yet. But <laughs> we'll work on that. His mom is holding. But um, he, he's a young guy, uh, 100% dependent upon his parents. Absolutely cannot take care of himself at all. And I think one of the hindrances that we have is we want to take care of so much on our own and then kind of pull God into our plans and our abilities and our resources as opposed to really, until we just wear ourselves out and then we're like, all right, this is what I tend to do. I tend to feel like our, almost subconsciously, I tend to be like, I got this, Lord. I got this until I realize I don't got this anymore because it becomes too overwhelming for me. And that's the moment when I'm just like, Lord, you got this. What's, and one of the healthiest prayers that I have learned to pray is, and that doesn't take us all away from complete responsibility. What that says is, is, Lord, this is way too big for me. What's my little piece of this pie? What do you want me to do in this? Um, and you, you got to take care of the rest, period. That's, that's, that's the dependence that we should have on the Heavenly Father. He's called us to do things. We're not just supposed to lay in bed all day, but we need ultimate dependence upon the Heavenly Father. Kids have that. This one came up. They're visionary. They're imaginative. They explore. They search. They discover. Have we lost that? Do we lose that? I, channel, I don't know where this was, but no, this was also in our Wednesday morning group. Um, I challenged them. And, and I'll, I'll cut to the chase in this. In my opinion, you need to have a vision that you believe is from the Heavenly Father. And this goes all the way from the oldest gentleman in here, which may be um, these blessed gray-haired folks over here that are an absolute blessing, to the youngest person in here that can comprehend it. You need to have a vision from God that you're holding on to that is bigger than what you can accomplish on your own abilities. Otherwise, it's just in your own head. You need to have something in your heart that's stirring from God that you're working toward that is beyond your capabilities, that you are 100% dependent upon God for, because he's created you for that. And the Bible is full of story after story after story after story, and we won't go there, of men and women who stepped up and held on to that in your heart. And then you need to hold on to it and not let the situations of the world or the circumstances steal it from you. Because we get those when we're young and then life catches up with us and we get some gray hair, we get some bumps and bruises and we, we, we tend to lay those down or compromise. Do not compromise. And if, if, if you've had that vision and you've let it die, reignite it and hold on to it. God wants to fulfill it. It may not look like how you thought it was going to and it may not, oftentimes God puts something in our heart and then we fill in too many details. So just hold on to the core part of it, maybe not all of the details. We like to add details when God, when God just gives us a bigger picture. But hold on to that. Here's one of my favorite ones. And I think maybe somebody said this, but I put it a little. Children are simple, and they live in the moment. And that's where I think this, to me, this is where we... As, as, as believers, or as adults, we miss the mark on this. 
And this is why I think we hear so many sermons about the day-to-day drudgery of life and serving the Lord and we're just going to put our nose to the... And there is some truth in that. There are some days where it feels like it's the exact same as yesterday and my prayer time didn't feel any special or, or anything special. But what I... Th- and, and I'm not telling you to not do that and that that's not okay. But what breaks that up, children rarely feel drudgery or those type of things. And the reason they don't is because they enjoy the simple things in life. A child will, will enjoy some little thing. Perfect example, you know, um, and I don't even do this, but, but, but compare, if you tell a child they're going to get an ice cream cone, right? How big of an excitement is that for them as compared to you or somebody else? And I mean, unless you're like an ice cream addict or something or some real big special place. But the idea is, is they've just got this innate ability to see the simple things that we just, first of all, take for granted, and many of them are blessings, huge blessings that we just take for granted, and we blow right past, and they have true enjoyment of those day in and day out, and they see those things from a, from a perspective where it really brings them a joy and a happiness. And, a, and so what I want to challenge you on in, in, in being childlike is find those little things. Find those little things. I have found a couple of them myself. One of them, I'm not afraid to admit it, is the flower gardens. I love it when they plant those flowers. And I'm telling you, that old saying, if you want to see God's beauty and you want to take a few minutes and see the goodness, the love you, Abishai, um, uh, stop at those and just, I mean stop, not just walk through. And if you're able to get down, stop and get down and start examining those flowers and seeing the beauty of God. That's what I'm talking about. Smell them, look at them, sit next to them and just say, God, you are so good and you are so beautiful. And those are the moments that we just blow right by. Um, Those are the simple things that God has put around us. But anyway, I think that's how we, we... overcome the idea that or how we can be childlike by being simple. Let me keep moving here. Fun, joy, we got that. And those two tie right together. How many of you truthfully walk around with a smile on your face as a rule of thumb? Of course Sandy does. And maybe you don't have to raise your hand. But have you, have you ever smiled at somebody at a grocery store or just out and about who's just grumpy? I mean, just grumpy, and you smile at them. See what that does. I mean, if you just want to have fun for one, first they're going to think you're kind of crazy or weird, but it's an enormous, it's an enormous way to, to minister to people you don't even know, to know and to share the joy that should be in your heart. Smiles go a long way. I'm telling you, smiles go a long, long way. And it's hard to, it's hard to smile if you haven't, taken the time to do these things and live childlike so that you can walk in the joy. What I find, and I think why this has really spoke to me, is when I, when I get away from this or I, let the, I get into task mode or business mode or I get irritated, um, I lose the, the, that joy is the first thing to go. We, we, my, my joy kind of starts to, and that starts to be my clue, like, our joy is not based on our circumstances, our situations, our finances, um, on whether or not we got crying babies and mouthy kids. 
mouthy teenagers all in the house at the same time. That is, and I say that because we frequently will have, my house is like a circus. I'll have these babies here, my grandbabies over there, baby toys all over, then Gideon will come tromping home with his best friend and be like, what is this, a daycare? Come on, ruh, 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 ruh. And it just can be masked. If you ever want to truly see, like, what a, a mass chaos looks like in a home, you can come over sometime. Just make sure we got the whole crew over. But anyway, um, they're goofy. When was the last time you allowed yourself to be goofy? Why are we so rigid? Why are we so stern and staunch? And when was the last time, you know, they talk about letting your hair down or having fun. Like, we've convinced ourselves, for some reason, we think that we just have to... Uh, be serious all the time and everything. And, and, and I probably take it a little too far sometimes and it irritates my wife for those around me. Um, amen. amen, my family. It's my, it's my daughter-in-law there. Probably a well-thrown amen. Here's, here's a story of, of me being goofy. And this involves Nick Reba, it's not too bad. But we're in our Wednesday morning group. And I don't know what we're talking about, but... One of the things I'll say sometimes instead of a curse word is I'll say poopy pants. <laughs> see? And we're, we're, we're in our, <laughs> see? We're in our Wednesday morning thing. And if you ever hung out with Nick, I mean, he's like a word, I mean, he's like a walking dictionary theologian. And for whatever reason, something comes up and I'm like, oh man, that's, that's poopy pants. <laughs> and his only Nick can, he scowls and he's like, poopy pants? I'm like, I hang around babies. I hang around kids. But those are the things in life that, that I can let my, my guard down a little. You can, we can have fun, and we can be real, and we just don't have to take everything so stinking serious. And that's one of the things I think that, that kids are able to do that we lose, that really makes life fun. Even telling the story was fun. Um, one of the ones I don't know, kids are extremely observant. Um, extremely observant. All of us know that we have to Watch your language around kids. Watch what you say. Watch what you do. Watch how you act because that's exactly what you're going to do. And I tell you what, this little, this little uh, uh, Audrey friend that we have, you know, she's just unbelievable how observant she is. And Di and I have had so many conversations. Like, Di will be doing something, and, and she'll just be around, and she doesn't even, you have no idea. And then two or three days later, the next time she's over, she's trying to do whatever that was. And your dad I, I was just like, I cannot believe how she comprehended that and then remembered it till several days later. And now she's trying to do, because whatever Meemaw is going to do. So you have to be a little bit, you really do. But um, the idea there is, is, is they've always, they're, they're, they always really try to be in tune with the people that are most important to them. Right? So if you jump that to what I think Jesus is talking about here, or what we can learn from this is we need to be very in tune to the Heavenly Father and where's the Holy Spirit leading us. And then we need to be obedient. Jesus clearly said, I do what? Yeah, and I say what? Well, how do you know that? Because you're in tune. You're not oblivious just going 900 miles an hour which you're running from here, you're running from here. Kids are very good at that. Watch them. And we can learn from that. They, they just observe. And they just stay 
kind of in that zone because it's important to them. Just like Abishai checking out the flowers. This is one of my grand, this is my grandson right here, Abishai. Um, they're trusting. We know that. Um, they are quite trusting. In fact, and this can tie back into the first one. I only have a couple more, I promise. But kids will hold on to a promise, especially from a loved one. Um, they'll hold on to it for a lifetime. And, and it can be good or bad. So from the one perspective, we got to be careful what we promise our kids. But we need to have, we need to be just as trusting. The promises that the Heavenly Father has made to you, and especially the ones that you know are specifically from Him to you that line up with the Word of God, with who He is, with His characters, hold on to Him for a lifetime. Hold on to Him for a lifetime. Do not let Him go. Look at this guy. <laughs> He's climbing right up. Okay. I'm going to come back to this one a couple more and then we're, we'll get to kind of the heart or we'll, we'll challenge you a little, a little more and we'll wrap this up. Loyal, which may tie into the trusting. Um, and we all know how sad it is, but kids have a, have a loyalty to their, to their parents and their family that is... Um, it's a, it's a God-given loyalty. The Lord, in the same way he's put a hole in us that nobody else can fill, um, that that's directly ties to, the, to, to how the kids, like somebody up here said, they want to be with their, their parents. They want to know who their parents are. They want to uh, spend time with their parents. As, as they get older, they start to see a lot of their own characteristics, good, bad, or indifferent, directly in their parents, as, as, as we do. Um, and that's just a natural, I was adopted away when I was really, really, um, young and just lots of crazy things, but you know, you always wondered and, and thankfully we were able to, my older brother and I, we were able to, um, reunite and we know who our biological, um, dad is and, and that, that just gives you a lot of insight, but there's that, that loyalty, there's that desire in you to know. It's that same desire that, that God put in all of us because we're created in his image. And you're not going to fill it anywhere else than taking that desire and getting with the Heavenly Father and helping Him show you how much He loves you and who you are and why He... If you want to know why you're made the way you are and why you think the way you think, good, bad, or indifferent, there's really only one person. Well, not even a person. There's really only one way to figure that out. And that's to get in front of the Heavenly Father. There's great counselors. There's great advice. But if you really want to know it's because God made you that way. And it was intentional, and it was, it was purposeful, and, and we are living on the fallen side, so there are some things in there that he wants to work through, but that's why you are the way you are. It's why you look, act, feel, think, and do everything that you do the way you do is because God made you that way, and nobody knows it better than him. He's, it's his blueprint. So he needs to be your source, and he will use his word and, and, and the people that he puts in your life to, to help you understand yourself more than anybody. Loyal, trusting, flexible. This one's one that we, we struggle on, and it, it gets us in a lot of trouble, I think, is, is, is children are flexible. Man, can they adapt. You can change they, you change plans many, first of all, they're, most of the time they're half oblivious anyway. And I'm not saying that we need to be oblivious, but I think 
that, that we are ineffective and get stuck so many times because we are not flexible. And I, so many of the times where God is trying to tweak or adjust or even keep us safe um, in certain ways and circumstances uh, cause us enormous amount of frustration and we actually get mad at him about because we can't stop and look at the big picture and say, all right, God, you're sovereign and you're holy and um, you, I felt like wherever I needed to go was really important right now. On my radar, it was really important, but the fact that I'm stuck here on the side of the road with a flat tire and no spare evidently tells me you have a different priority in this situation. Rarely is that my first thought. Rarely, if I got somewhere where I'm supposed to be, is that my, my, my first thought. But for, for kids, they're like, oh, well, here we are. I guess we're just playing the ditch. You know what I mean? We're stuck on the side of, side of the road. So, yeah, flexible. Are we flexible? Um, will we make our plans and then let the Heavenly Father adjust our day according to how he sees fit without having a bad, bad attitude? That's a dangerous prayer. That's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> I'm telling, I'm telling you. And here's the last one um, that I have on my list. And I don't know if it was said or not, but discerning. Um, and this takes me back to what I initially said. Children are very discerning. Do kids want to hang around you? Do kids feel safe around you? Or do you send this vibe that stand back, caution, danger zone, danger zone, danger zone? That's a big clue. And it's a really big clue, and it's extremely convicting, the fact that they wanted to be around Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you got to love every annoying kid out there. There's some that will just make you crazy. Or that you have to try to be really close to them. But if, as a rule of thumb, and I'm just going to say it, as a rule of thumb, if your general vibe, your general attitude, your general demeanor, because I've been like this, that you put off is a deterrent to kids, that's a problem. That's a problem because children are discerning and that tells you you're lacking in several of these areas, this joy or, or this, the, 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 the qualities that, that Jesus want us, wants us to have that are going to, because if you're not drawing Jesus, if you're, not, if you're not drawing kids to be around you, you're not drawing people around you. I mean, they, they may come around you because they have to, but they're very, or, you're, you're, or the only people you're drawing around you are the people that are just as grumpy and rude as you because you kind of rub. But children are very concerned or discerning and, um, and they are a, a telltale test. And, and I, I think it's pretty convicting that, that um, if kids don't want to be around you, or if they get forced to be around you, if you're that grandparent that they never want to uh, go to their house because grandpa's such a grump, Grandpa Lee. And I'm just kidding. That's not true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is not true. They are very gracious. Lee doesn't have a choice because Grandma Jeannie just, it's just the way it is. Okay. What are we, how are we doing for time here? We'll, we don't need to. Um, I'm going to buzz through this list real quick because um, sometimes, unfortunately, we can, uh, we can operate more on this side of the fence. And then I've just got a couple questions I'm going to ask you that we're going we're gonna to finish up. We're going to bring the kids out, and I'm going to get you out of your comfort zone, and you're probably not going to like it. 
Um, the opposite of genuine is fake. We don't want to be fake. I think I talked to both. We don't want to be self-sufficient. We certainly don't want to be rigid. Um, and then, to me, this is one that I think we take pride in, that it that can be a real double-edged sword. I think as we get a, become adults, um, we get careers, life goes on. I think we begin to like be proud and think it's a good thing of how sophisticated we have become. Um, you know, and 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 think about it from this way: Have you ever had a five-year-old child, you know, and you say, "Hey"? We're going to go to the park and play. Um, and you go outside and you, and, and, and you got a Porsche and a Pinto sitting there. And you're like, well, we're going to take the Pinto. And they throw a big, huge fit. No, they don't give a rip. They don't. That's your issue. They just care that you got something that's going to get you from A to B. We become so sophisticated that the means of transportation becomes a, a, a problem. But kids don't care. I've never, as far as I've known, and I've put them in, I've had some pretty junky cars. Gideon never complained about my van. And it was, yeah, it had some moments. He never complained about that van as long as it got us from A to B. It's not until they get older and become teenagers we start to get this awareness that it really matters what it looks like or what the name or the title is. That's not how kids are. That's not how, how, Kids are. And I guess I've said all that to say we pile a bunch of baggage on ourselves trying to be so sophisticated that really accomplishes nothing. It really accomplishes nothing. And I'm not sure it accomplishes anything for the kingdom of God. Um, yeah. When it, when it comes down to d- discerning, the opposite that I had for that is that, that we get pretty good at is judging and pointing fingers. Um, it's so natural for us to do that, and we do need to be discerning as adults, but there's a big, big difference between being discerning and being judgmental and spewing condemnation out on people. Um, one of my core principles that I, that I will operate when it comes to my family, and I've shared this with other believers in the church, regardless of how haywire things get, and trust me, my kids do lots of things I disapprove of, Um, and I've got adult kids now, but I still love them. We will always build bridges. Jesus was a bridge builder. He never intentionally wanted to put walls up to people. He didn't compromise, but he built bridges. He always kept a path, and he always wanted a path for connection. Now, sometimes we may have to have bridges with limitations because we can't just throw out all of the uh, right is right and wrong is wrong. But we don't sever relationships. We don't sever relationships. We build bridges. Um, And sometimes they may be shaky, wobbly bridges. But we're going to build bridges and we're always going to extend a hand of love. We will always extend a hand of love. And and that's, to me, that's discerning. Um, And being judgy and mean or or drawing hard lines, um, it does it's not how Jesus wants, and it's not how kids. As a rule of thumb, kids will have their things and their spats, but they always want to make up and be friends again. It's amazing how quickly they can get over it. All right. Um, I think I've covered the rest of these pretty well. Distracted. I think I talked about that. We, we tend to live very distracted lives. Um, 
we become inflexible. Think about this for a minute. This really, we serve the creator of the universe. And we know, we, so we've discussed about these childlike qualities. And this is one of the things that I've got. Um, and I just heard a, a really good sermon about the importance of the Sabbath and, and keeping the Sabbath and the purpose of the Sabbath, um, which is really about shutting off the distractions of the world and getting focus on, on God and his goodness um, and it's actually pretty fascinating how they, how, how they did it in, the, in this one message. But the, but the moral of the story, or what I want to say is, is how often as a sophisticated adults with our Porsches um, or our Corvettes, are we so busy that, that, just think about this, that we have the audacity to tell the creator of the universe we have the pride in our heart to say, I will try to squeeze you in over my lunch hour. Think about it. How absurd is that? That, that? that thought would ever cross our mind that whatever we think we're going to are so important, um, so requires you know, us to, to just boom, 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 that we're gonna try to squeeze the creator of the universe in to some little sliver here or there or elsewhere and how we feel when our loved ones potentially try to do, do that with us. One of our biggest detriments, now I'm on my soapbox, I'm sorry. I just got out of the fun zone. But one of our biggest detriments, I think, to our walk with the Lord is the cotton-picking clock. That clock runs our life and it runs us into the ground. And the, the, one of the biggest points of that Sabbath is we need to throw away that clock and you just need to let the Heavenly Father have your time and have your day. That clock causes us to, 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 to just makes us crazy. We're either always running late or we have to be. Um, and it's, it, it, it just gets us all spun up because of, and I, I understand it's, just, it's going away and it's a part of our world, but kids are not concerned about what time it is. Yeah. Very rarely. They're like, when am I going to be fed? When can I play outside? No, I don't want to take a nap. Yes, you have to take a nap. Um, how long do I have to take a nap? You only have to take a short nap. Okay, and then they take a two-hour nap. That clock does not run their lives, and it's one of the most beautiful, freeing things that they have. And I, I would only say that to tell you this. Look for ways to get that clock out of your business with the intention of drawing close to the Heavenly Father. Look for ways to get that clock out of your business. All right, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. Um, we're gonna wrap it up with this. Um, first question here, is your life childlike? Oh man, that's maybe too broad. Maybe too broad. How about this, what in your life? Take a minute and think about this. What in your life is, is, is childlike? Is there any aspect, anything that you have that you regularly do, do that you could say is childlike, maybe a little childish, maybe probably not immature though, but what in your life is childlike? Um, that's kind of a tough question. Let me give you, I love to go down by the creek um, and uh, spend time with the Lord. It's one of the places I, I, I just go for quietness and and uh, just listen to the water rush. And the creek's really moving right now, obviously. But um, in fact, I can't encourage you to do this enough. The other day, I had just had this amazing experience. I hadn't been there for a little while. It's just life. And I realized, all right, 
Is there really anything more important than my time with the Lord? No, I'm going. I just went. You know what I mean? And I was like, I, it literally brought tears to my eyes because after not going there for a little while, as I'm walking down this place that I, that I go to, it was like the Heavenly Father said, I, am so, I just got this sense that I have missed you and I am so happy to see you. Like I've been waiting for you. And I just jumped right on this big rock that I get on because you just have to trust me. I'm telling you, you've got the creator of the universe out there just waiting to spend time and sow into your life. And all you have to do is show up. I promise you. So then to take that to the next step, I'm sitting there and uh, with the Lord and he's like, I just got this weird sense. He's like, put your feet in the water. I'm like, no, it's cold. <laughs> He's like, put your feet in the water. And I was like, Lord, I don't have a towel. And I started coming off. And he's like, exactly. He's like, you're just too grown up and you're too sophisticated and you're too mature to just stick your feet in the creek. I was like, all right, Lord. So I literally kicked my shoes off, my socks off. That water was cold. But guess what I do now when I go down to the creek? I kick my shoes off and I stick my feet in the water because it's just me. It's just me and the Lord and it's me spending time with the creator of the universe and it's a physical act that I do to show God that he's worth me sticking my feet in the water because I just want to be in his presence and I just want to bask in his goodness. Um, and that's probably the last thing. Have you ever, to me, that, have you ever done a childish act out of faith? And that's my example. And are you willing? Are you willing to kick your shoes off and stick your feet in the cold creek? I don't recommend it, unless that's really what the Lord wants you to do. But are you willing to stop and smell the flowers? Are you willing to do whatever that is that, that's just with you and the Heavenly Father? I'm telling you, it was that sense when I, after I hadn't been there, when I showed up and the Lord's kind of like, hey, I love you, man, where you been? Like, I'm here. I'm telling you. So, um, yeah. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up with that because God is good. He's faithful. Um, and, you know, the purpose of this message really isn't, well, maybe it is to beat you up a little bit, but um, to just understand, you know, the more childlike we can live, I really think the more joy and fun and we're... The, the less mundane we're going to have in life and the less we're just going to let God be God and us be us. And that's really the whole point. Let's let God be God and us be us. Let's do our part, what he's called us to do, and really let him worry about the rest.